there I sat, pen in hand, contract before me. All I had to do was sign my name and my whole life would be radically changed forever. If I signed, minutes later, I would be ushered into a room with others who also signed up, and I would be sworn in to the United States Air Force. What does my story have to do with being a Christian? We hear a lot about following Jesus, but what exactly does that mean? And what does it cost us? What of ourselves do we get to keep versus what is offered to him? Must we really give up everything? If so, why? We'll talk about it next on Thy Kingdom Comma. Welcome to Thy Kingdom Comma. Thy Kingdom Comma is a Christian living blog and podcast dedicated to engaging conversations about applying God's Word to everyday life. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and it's my hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. I was 19 years old. I was working in the mailroom at a software company. I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. So I talked to an Air Force recruiter. Next thing I know, I'm up there and I go through the physicals and I do all that stuff. It was a whole overnight thing. And the moment comes, the contract's in front of me. It required everything of me for four years. In exchange, they give me food, clothing, healthcare, education, benefits, direction, etc. But it would cost me four years of my life. I stared at that paper and I couldn't sign. And I told the recruiter, I'm really, really sorry, but I just can't do this. Now, looking back, I do regret not having done that. Four years would have passed in a heartbeat. But to a 19-year-old guy, to me anyway, it seemed like an eternity. I mean, it was, after all, 25% of the life I'd already lived. Too often in American Christianity, we are invited to follow Jesus, and it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's almost baited by the many same kinds of incentives. God will take care of us. Uh, there are all these benefits to it. There's direction and all these sorts of things. And nowadays also in churches, we hear about prosperity and health and peace and so on. Many people find out after the fact that following Jesus requires much, much more of them than they were ever honestly told. And like the crowds who eventually cooled on their enthusiasm for Jesus in his earthly ministry, many today walk away like I did from the U.S. Air Force. So what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What are some ways the Bible explains it? What is to be our guiding motivation? Well, we'll talk about it after the break. If you like what you're hearing, you sign up to get email updates you'll get to find out whenever a new episode or a blog post appears all you have to do is go to thykingdomcomma.com and sign up when you do you'll receive a pdf of a month-long devotional that goes with the reading of the gospel of john it's yours free when you sign up what does it mean to follow jesus 
here are some thoughts that I had about this as I was just kind of thinking back on it. And if I had to tell myself 15 years ago when I became a Christian what all it would encompass, we can only cover just a little bit here. But I think of Mary's statement to the servants in Cana at the wedding when they needed more wine. And Mary said to them, do whatever he tells you. And really, that's the crux of what it is to follow Jesus. We do whatever he tells us. I think of Jesus' rebuke to Peter. In Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Following Jesus is to have in mind the things of God. And even in the next verses, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. And then a little while later, at the transfiguration, we hear the Father saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so again, following Jesus is listening to him. It's a moment-by-moment reorienting of one's mind and one's affections on Christ and his will. Or it's the way Paul talks about how he disciplined himself in body and mind to follow after Christ. In 1 Corinthians 9.26, he says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. It's fighting against our flesh. I want to snap back at that person. I want to be I want to unload my anger on that person for what they did or how they hurt me. I don't want to do the dishes that are in the sink. I don't want to take out the trash that's ready to be taken out. If I leave that, someone else will get it. But it's countering all of that and doing those things because that's what the Lord would have us do. It's devotion. It's uncompromising loyalty. It's commands to do, but also commands to not do, right? It's always asking what action or reaction would be most pleasing to my Lord for this situation. It's humbling ourselves like a child, Jesus said. Ultimately, following Jesus affects every area of our lives, our time, our money, how we do our work. You know, I've had jobs where they have contests, and so you're automatically part of this contest. I know for a little while when I was selling insurance, we had contests. The thing is, the contest never motivated me. I could never really care about winning a gift card or whatever It didn't motivate me. What motivated me was, this is the job that God has put me in. I'm to be faithful here. I need to be a witness and an ambassador for him. And so it is incumbent upon me to do the very, you know, very best that I can to please my earthly master, but also my heavenly master. Following Jesus, it affects our relationships and how we we take care of those what we watch, what we read, what we listen to. Every area of our lives is under the lordship of Christ when we are following him. Now, a couple of final points on this. There is a duty in following Christ. Every single one of us should be following Christ. 
Why? Because he is God, and we're not. He is worthy. He commands it. So for those reasons alone, every single one of us ought to be following Christ. But also, it is for our present and eternal good. In fact, if you think about it, think about this for a second. Even if we only love ourselves, if we're only living for ourselves, you know, what, what's the best for me? If that's the whole driving motivation of our lives, then the irony is that this supreme desire to watch out for only ourselves means that the greatest good we could possibly do for ourselves would be to surrender and follow Christ. Think about that. So yes, so there's definitely a duty to following the Lord. But also, it's about love and gratitude. I mean, this isn't mere aestheticism. This is certainly not about trying to earn God's favor or God's attention or earn salvation. But it's out of love and gratitude for what he's already freely given us and what we freely received in Christ at the point of salvation. You know, it's an example I've used many times when I try to explain to people the difference between American Christianity, as it's so often explained, and biblical Christianity. I ask people, did God buy your lunch or did he save you from drowning? Because a lot of times we as Christians, we treat God like he just bought our lunch. You know, if you bought me lunch, I would say, hey, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the time. Thanks for picking up the check. And I'd kind of go on my merry way. And I might tell somebody, I might tell my wife, oh, I had lunch with so-and-so today and they, they were nice. They bought my lunch. But I certainly wouldn't lay myself at your feet and declare my undying allegiance to you because you bought my lunch. In fact, that'd be kind of weird. But if while we were having lunch, I start choking and I'm dying and I, I can't breathe, I'm about to die, and you come around and you give me the Heimlich maneuver and you save my life, then... Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody, and I'm never, ever, ever going to forget, you saved my life. When I'm out in public with you, I'm going to tell people, hey, come here, come here. let me introduce you to, this, to my friend here. My friends, this person saved my life, and I'm going to want to live my life in total gratitude for what you did for me. And it's that kind of love and gratitude that motivates us, or should motivate us, to follow Christ. It's joyfully because the more we live, as Jesus tells us, also the more our life goes well. Even when we're despairing being alive, it's just such a, a trial. There is a point where we say, like Habakkuk says at the end of his book, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. And so that's really what it comes down to for us as following after God. Or even, I think, what was it, Job, where he says, though he slay me, I will trust him. That kind of a thing. So now the last thing that I want to mention is, is it all worth it? You know, ultimately, at that point in my life, I decided it wasn't worth it to me. 
It wasn't worth joining the Air Force and giving up four years of my life for all those benefits. So is it worth it? Is it worth following Jesus? And my answer to you is a thousand times yes. I've been following the Lord for 15 years. And before that, I was a false convert, just like we have many of them in American Christianity. I was a false convert for 20 years. So yes, from my own personal experience, absolutely. How about from the experience of 2,000 years of Christians, even martyrs? Think about that. For 2,000 years, people have been following Christ. Some of them have lost everything in life, even their families, even their own lives. Consider some of the final words of Polycarp, who was the bishop of Smyrna in modern-day Turkey, before he was burned alive at the stake for his faith on February 23rd, A.D. 156, when he was pressed to recant and reject Christ, he famously said, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Now that is a testimony about following Christ. I hope today you're following Christ. I hope you have given him everything, every area of your life, because he is worthy because he is God, because he is sovereign, and also out of love and gratitude, because you see that there's just no other way in this life. There's nothing that's worth holding on to your life for when Jesus, when you can have Jesus. Well, with that, let me close us in prayer today. Lord Jesus, you deserve our complete allegiance because you are worthy. You are God. You are creator. You give us everything. For those reasons alone, you deserve our full obedience. But also, you gave yourself. You died that we might be saved. So all the more, out of love and gratitude, we not only ought to follow you, we get to follow you. And in all your commandments, there is goodness and life. May we grow in love and gratitude every day, and with the Spirit's help, follow you all the more in the days and years ahead. Amen. By the way, if you'd like a copy of today's show notes, just visit www.thykingdomcomma.com forward slash four. Well, that wraps up our show for today. Be sure to join us next time as we dig deeper into God's Word Apply it to our lives. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please tell others. You can visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash thykingdomcomma or you can visit us on the web at thykingdomcomma.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.